Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Testing, I'm on. Uh, let's pray for Andrew and Misha. If you don't know them, many of you do know them, they, they have made a huge contribution um, in the life of this church since the moment they got here. They serve in a whole bunch of different capacities, wear lots of different hats. And so uh, we're going to miss them dearly as friends, and we're going to miss their impact in the church as well. And, but we want to be a sending church. We want to be a church that this happens often, that God raises people up, he stirs gifts and desires, and um, then he calls them out again. And if you don't know much about them, they lived overseas for eight years prior to coming here. So it's not a surprise if you know them well that this is another adventure um, that the Lord has called them to. So let's, let's pray. Ask the Lord to bless them. Lord, we just thank you for both Andrew and Misha. And Lord, thank you for speaking to them. Thank you for them being responsive to your call. And Lord, this is a, a daunting task in many ways. And Lord, we pray for the, just the, the finances that are necessary for this move to occur. We pray you would surprise them with your provision. We pray that you would prepare them. You would prepare even friendships for them. And we pray that they would get to watch you work um, and in the salvation of many, many that you love from uh, different parts of the world that you have brought to Colorado and uh, we will give you all the glory for that. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So mark uh, the, the campfire date. And uh, if you're able to come at all, um, please check that out. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 111. 111. Well, depending on your age, in the next few weeks, you um, may be starting school. You might be starting elementary school. You might be starting high school. You might be starting college. Some of us are doing um, grad programs. At least one of us is working on their PhD. And so um, whether you're a student or you're a parent who is going to be overseeing and encouraging the student, uh, this inevitable word will come up at times and often comes up when um, a paper is turned back or an exam particularly is turned back and um, it didn't go real well. And the, the question, the parental question that often comes that I've asked and my parents before me asked me as well is, did you study? It's kind of a, it's not the best question because if you got a bad grade, the, the inevitable answer, the obvious answer is, well, not real well or not the right thing or not at all. Well, what I want to do today is I want to rescue the word study. And I want, by the end of today, from this psalm, all of us in this room or watching online, to view the word study as not this, this painful, um, futile, kind of miserable thing that you get to do, but this great adventure. And, and the reason is because of the object of the study. So today's message, I titled it, Study the Works of God. And we're going to look at Psalm 111, 10 verses. And 
what I want, my prayer, is that we're going to, when we look at the word study in context to getting to know the God who made heaven and earth, I want you to see it much more like an explorer of an unknown land. So it's this, this adventure or like a treasure hunter that as you study, you, you find more and more treasure. So that it's not this, this rough task that you don't want to do. Or maybe it's like an astronomer who's looking into the galaxies and you're discovering new stars and new galaxies. And it's just this delightful adventure. When it comes to knowing God and studying who he is and what he's done, it's really connected to our joy, to our satisfaction. So, so rather than thinking of it as just this thing you have to do, think of this, this delightful thing you get to do. And to help us, look at Psalm 111, verses 1 through 10. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who hear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just, and all his precepts or commands are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Let's pray. Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask that this psalm would become life to us. It would become real. It would, it would, it would motivate us to go on this exploration of knowing the living God. And we pray we would be the most joyful, satisfied people as a result. We ask this in your name. Amen. First point. Studying the works of God produces heartfelt praise. Studying the works of God. Studying who God is and what he has done. One of the effects of that is this heartfelt praise and worship that will happen. We see that in verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. See, this study, this adventure in knowing God will produce this heartfelt worship. So rather than looking at this book, the Bible, as this very massive maybe somewhat confusing book at times, look at, it th at this as this study of knowing a God who is filled with love and mercy and compassion and that God alone can satisfy. See, when you study the Bible and you get to know the Lord that way, the experience is very different. It, it begins to stir 
to change you from the inside out and your, your heart, your, your affections, your desires, your satisfaction grow stronger and stronger. And so a response, a natural response to a proper study of the Lord is a heartfelt praise and joyful worship of the Lord. I mean, think of it this way. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, you're standing there looking at the Grand Canyon, you don't need an instruction guide for someone to tell you what to do next. Well, now's a good time to say, wow, that's amazing. Or now's a good time to say, I can't believe how massive that is. No, it just comes out of your mouth. Why is that? Because you're looking at it, you're studying it, and you're seeing it, and it affects your heart and your mind and then your words. I mean, think of a different example. If you like seafood like I do, if you're, you're eating lobster and you dip it in butter, and you're about to put it in your mouth, you don't need anyone to tell you, after it touches your taste buds, here's what I want you to say, here's how I want you to respond. No, as soon as you taste it, like, oh, this is delicious, this is great, and then there's something in the human experience, oh, you need to try this, take a bite. Now, the German people don't want to do that, but the non-German people, like me, take a bite, try this, this is delicious. Well, why is that? Because you, you've studied it, you've tasted it, you experienced it, and now you want others to share in it. See, that is the natural response, this joyful praise and worship. So Sunday mornings really should be, for a Christian, this overflow of a week of crying out to the Lord, asking Him for help, spending time with Him, and then this eruption of praise and worship towards the Lord. You might have noticed this morning we did a lot of what we might call throwback songs, songs that we haven't done for a while. Mark said we, we did this song a few years ago, and I was thinking, I was doing math in my head. It's like, I think I was 21. Um, so it was a few years ago, right? Uh, what was really cool about those songs for me is all those songs, or most of those songs we sang, were songs that I sang when I first met Jesus. And Jesus had forgiven me of all my sins and began to change me. And I, I just remember, oh, I, I do want to follow you with all my heart. Oh, your name is majestic. And, and so the, the, the pursuit of the Lord, the study of the Lord should produce this heartfelt affection for the Lord. And so we want to be expressive in praise when we gather, but not just because it's something you do, but because of who God is. And the more aware we are, of who God is, how awesome and mighty and majestic He is, the more our hearts will be stirred to worship, the more our mouths will want to sing, the more our hands will be expressively praising the Lord. So when we study the Lord, it's going to produce a heartfelt praise. Second, studying the works of the Lord, the works of God, is a lifelong adventure of joyful delight. Studying the works of God is a lifelong adventure of joyful delight. I want to convince you of that. I want the Lord to convince you of, of that. That following the Lord, studying, getting to know Him day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, should be this lifelong adventure of joyful delight. Look at verse 2 and 3. Great are the works of the Lord. That is just a factual, true statement. Great, amazing are 
the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them, full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. See, God's works are great. And the more we examine them, the more we study them, the more we appreciate them, the more joy and delight there will be. Think about it this way. The, the more we know about something, <clears throat> the more we can enjoy it. Raise your hand if you know who the Blue Devils are after this week. Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. So if, you, if you've been on social media, I, I just learned about them this week. So the Blue Devils, they were this um, um, drum corps and bugle corps that are world class, that um, have won world championships a number of times. And you're thinking, well, I don't care. I don't know anything about it. Well, I didn't care and I didn't know anything about it either. But they happened to come through IUP this week and they invited the public. I hear you. They invited the public to, to come and watch. And so I get a text at like 8.30 at night. Hey, you guys might want to check this out. It's, it's incredible. So we get there and I didn't know what to expect. And I'm not much of a music person, but I can appreciate music. And we get there and it's these super athletic musicians who are incredible musicians playing the bugle, playing the drum, and, and you know, the community came out to see them, and they, they were phenomenal. Now, my knowledge of them was happening live. I'm looking them up on my phone as I'm there, like, what are we seeing? I'm not sure what I'm seeing here. And, and yet I was able to enjoy it. It was, it was pleasurable. It was fun to see. It was incredible to see. There were so many things going on on the field, just watching, you pick a direction, you get to see something new. But Zach Collins, who is a member of this church and a, a music professor at IUP, I was talking to him on Friday about the Blue Devils, and he said, as a band guy in high school, that was like the, the dream. And so he had studied them for decades. And so he also got to see them. But imagine the difference between his experience and appreciation and mine. We both enjoyed it. But his level of knowledge allowed him to enjoy it far greater than my level of knowledge. That's the picture of the more you know the Lord, the more you trust him, the more you study his works, the more you see him at work, the more joy, the more delight, the more satisfaction you can have. So we want to study the works of God as this lifelong adventure. Think about it this way. I talked to, to Bob Ryder earlier this morning about this, that um, Bob is a good friend of mine, also a part of the church, avid fisherman, loves to fish. This winter we were at his house, and uh, there was just a table with fishing stuff that just kept coming in the mail as he prepares. Um, not only that, but he was studying the places he was going to fish. He was going to study the, the geography of the place. He was going to study also where they were placing certain barriers underwater that fish could gather. So he's, he's, he's locked in in study because of future joy that he's expecting when the weather would break. Now I assumed this, but I wanted to, to, to make sure it was true. I said, Bob, let me guess, when you were 15... If I told you you had to take a geography class and study it, that wouldn't be real fun for you. He's like, no way. Wouldn't have liked it at all. But now he's studying maps, maybe similar maps, and the experience is very different because there is a joyful delight at the end of that pursuit. See, that's how you should think 
of this book. I want to speak to those of you who have grown up or are growing up in a church. You're growing up in a Christian family. That is a wonderful gift, but it can tempt you to think this is just a dry, dusty book that your mom and dad say, hey, are you reading your Bible? Have you read your Bible? You should read your Bible. Are you reading your Bible? I think you should read your Bible. Uh, and what happened, I'm a parent, I've done it many times. Um, the reason we do that is because we know in this book are treasures and riches that the world knows nothing about. In this book is the answer to the ultimate questions in life. In this book is the way to be transformed in a relationship by trusting in Jesus through faith and repentance and then knowing the Lord. So when you open this book, even if you're doing it because your parents are riding you and telling you to read it, say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Help me to see how truly great you are. When I read a familiar story that I, I, I think is familiar, make it alive to me. Help me to, to imagine what it would have been like to be there and to see you work. And as you approach it that way, and connected to joy and satisfaction, it will be a completely, totally different experience. See, studying the works of God is a lifelong adventure and joyful delight. That's why he says in verse 2 and 3, Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in Him. Full of splendor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. So we're to study his wondrous works. And then the psalmist is going to show us some things to study. Look at verse 4. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. In the Bible, we have just thousands of wondrous works that God has done throughout history, preserved. And we can consider those and think about them. And then what happens is when we realize we, we're talking to the same God. We have a personal relationship with the same God who parted the Red Sea, who spoke galaxies into existence, who provided manna in the wilderness supernaturally, who led his people faithfully, who works through the darkest and most confusing times. Well, what that does, it gives us faith for our own lives, our own time, our own circumstances. So study his wondrous works. Study his covenants. Look at verse 5. The psalmist connects two seemingly unrelated things. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. And the covenant that seems to be there in mind there is the Abrahamic covenant when God made a promise to Abraham. He said, your, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore. So he's, he's connecting this incredible binding promise with the fact that God's going to provide food for those who fear him. I mean, think about it this way. Why, why is it easier 
at times to believe that Jesus died for your sins and has given you eternal life, but you're not going to have enough money to pay your bills. Like, think about that. Like, I was thinking about that this week. Like, okay, I'm totally confident I'm going to heaven. Jesus died in my place. I have eternal life. When times have gotten tight, I get anxious. But I'm not anxious about my salvation, which is far greater problem to solve. I'm anxious about groceries or the, the expenses of bills or the price of gas or, or whatever it would be. See, God is a covenant-keeping God. And when you came to Jesus and called out to him, he adopted you. You are in the family, so he is your father. You are in a permanent covenant with him. And as a faithful father, he will care for the big things and he will care for the small things. He's a faithful father and he is a good shepherd. See, Jesus actually connects some things in Matthew 6. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, Gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? It's a rhetorical question. You are of more value than they. God the Father sent God the Son to rescue you. He will care for the great things, and he will care for the details of your life. And you can trust him. So study his covenant, study his provision. Study his eternal power and promises. Look at verse 6. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. He has shown his people the power of his works. Depending on your bent, you may be very drawn to deep, strong theology about the Lord, which is good and healthy. But often when you, you go that way, you, you forget His power. Or you may be drawn to the experience of knowing the Lord, but you, you, you might not be too open to studying true, difficult theology about the Lord. I think the best wedding is, is both of them together. And so we're to, to study. We're to study His eternal power and promises. When you read something in the Old Testament, don't just check it off like, okay, I started Genesis 1, now I'm going to 2, and I'm on to the next thing. If you get to Genesis 1, and just the creation account, pause there. Ask the Lord to, to just really magnify that in your heart and mind, and think about, what was that like? When the first bird was made, what was that like? When the, the first bear was made, when the first tiger was made, the first penguin was made, the first zebra was made, the first koala bear was made, like, we, we take these things for granted. We, we went to zoos since we were little. We see animals. We created out of nothing, just the creative mind of the Lord, powerfully created. Think of the flood account. Wash your way any kind of hallmark or decorations of the flood account and, and just consider what it really was. 
It was a display of God's justice and a display of God's mercy. Think about the effect that would have had for Noah and his family who were preserved, shown mercy, and the mass judgment that was executed on the earth. Think about the ten plagues. Think about the parting of the Red Sea. Think about God leading his people with a, with a cloud and pillar of fire. Think about in the New Testament that this man whose name is Jesus comes to, to earth. He grows up. He starts his ministry. He touches leprous people. And rather than him becoming unclean, they become clean. He goes to blind people that, that could not see. He heals them. They can suddenly see. Deaf people who could not hear suddenly hear. Lazarus, who's buried and dead, called out and brought back to life. That is the power of the God we serve. Study his eternal power. Study his eternal promises. Study his faithful promise keeping. He is faithful. Look at verses 7 and 8. The works of his hands are faithful and just. His precepts or commands are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. Consider the works of his hand. It's a huge thing that God is faithful. So we have promises in the Bible. And we know we can trust them because we can trust God. He is faithful. He will keep his promises perfectly. If you're a parent, I'm sure at some point your children have said to you, well, you, you promised, you promised in blood that we would go to Idlewild this summer. Now, you, you might not have promised. You might have said we might go, but they, they turned it into this very big justice issue. Um, I did the same thing as a kid. You promised I would get this for Christmas, and I didn't get it. Um, God is not like that. His promises are perfect, and he is faithful. We, we fail. We forget. We, we are not trustworthy like he is. He is perfectly trustworthy. And his commands are good. When he gives parameters of what followers of Jesus should be like, don't see those as a bad thing. See those as a protection. And a protection so that you can experience more joy, less heartache, more freedom, less guilt and shame and enslavery to sin. Study, study, study his faithful promise keeping. Study his redemptive plan throughout the pages of the Bible. Look at verses, or verse 9. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. It was always God's plan to redeem, to purchase a people for himself. Adam and Eve sinned. They severed the relationship with God. The, the whole Old Testament is this unfolding of God gathering a people for himself. And then Jesus comes. And it's not just the Jewish people that God has promised to redeem, but all people who would trust in Jesus Christ alone. Study his redemptive plan throughout the pages of Scripture. 
Study his plan, his saving plan throughout church history. Study how he has worked at different centuries, at different parts of the globe. As you do, your, your mind, your, your, your heart, your affections, your faith for what he will do and is doing in our age will grow. Study what he's doing in your family. Study what he's doing in this local church. Study what he's doing throughout all the churches in Indiana and western Pennsylvania. Study what he's doing in the U.S. Study what he's doing across the globe. Pick an area and become an expert so you can see the Lord is faithful. He is working. He is redeeming. He is gathering a people for himself. And he will not stop until he returns. Point number three. Studying the works of God produces wisdom and life transformation. So not only should it produce joy and satisfaction, but it should make us wise. And our lives should be different. I mean, every one of us is bothered by somebody, and rightly so, who knows a lot of the Bible but their life is completely inconsistent with their knowledge. Completely. If you're married to that person, that bothers you, rightly so. If that person is your parent, that bothers you, and rightly so. If that person is your coworker, just like zip it up on the Bible till you, you, you close the gap a little bit more. Um, because we all know, intuitively know, that if you... Say you're a Christian and you are spending time in his word. It's to have an effect on you. You should be different. Not perfect, but different and growing and changing. Look at verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. The more we know the Lord, not just knowledge about the Lord, but know the Lord on a personal level, the wiser we will become. The more reverence we will have, the more worship we will give to Him because of who He is. The more we'll want to do whatever He calls us to do. If, if we're like Andrew, that at the age of 45, he's responding to a call that I'm going to leave a career to follow you wherever you call me to go. Because you're the one that is my provider. You're the one that is my Lord. You're the one who has given me the gifts and abilities that, that make me a fit for this next thing that you want me to do. To care for people who are not in their homeland, who are confused, who are hurting, who, who have experienced a degree of suffering. See, that all comes from spending time with the Lord. And knowing what really matters. And knowing what really, really satisfies. Paul says it this way. This is, this is the effect it should have as we are praising, delighting, and getting to know the Lord. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable 
and perfect. See, it's connecting this knowledge of the Lord through study with a life transformation. One of the applications of this sermon that I'm hoping for is that you would read a hard book. It could be this book, it could be another book. But I want to encourage you that in addition to the Bible, as part of your spiritual diet, every once in a while, read a difficult, good, true book. The book that I'm working through right now is a gift from Rodney Allshouse. He got for all the pastors. It's called Providence by John Piper. It's 711 pages. And, um, and you might be thinking, well, you're a pastor, so you got to do kind of, that kind of stuff. Well, thankfully, since I met Jesus at the age of 19, I've been working my f- way through hard, big books uh, long before I was a pastor. I go slowly, take my time, but the benefit is exponential, that I have a, just a good, big trust in the Lord. And this book is no different. 711 pages, I'm about the 200 mark, so I got 511 uh, to go. And it takes work. But if you are just faithful, you can read a few pages a day, make notes. It doesn't have to be this book. It could be any good book. And I would start with ones that are re- have been recommended uh, through trusted sources or through church history. But do something hard. You, you think about all the, maybe the, the challenging things, the risk-taking we do in life for a greater benefit. Think of study that way as well. Study is one of those things that doesn't seem like a lot is happening in the moment. But if you're faithful, there will be a great reward of this deepening affection and relationship with the Lord. So I want to close just by reading Psalm 111 one more time. And we're going to pray and the the band can come up. Psalm 111, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the company of the upright, in the congregation, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord, don't forget, He is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people the power of His works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of His hand are faithful and just. All His precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. Let's stand. We're going to sing. The band can come up while I pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all the ways you have worked and are working in our day. Thank you for how great and powerful, merciful, kind, and gentle, patient you are with us. Lord, as we sing this final song, would you stir us to give you the praise that you rightly are due? And Lord, would you do something in us that our affections would would grow strong for you? That we would be amazed by your love. Not only would we worship you, but we would be quick to tell others about how good and awesome and faithful you are. 
We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.